0: Hey everyone, this is Lynn Barton and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at su.edu slash Apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. Hey, well, welcome everyone. It is Thursday. It's three o'clock. This is the Apex, Apex Hour. You're listening to KSU Youth Under 91.1. We had our kickoff for our season uh, this week, and I have been having such a great time for the last uh, day or so talking with my guest, Erica Sanchez, who's in the studio live with us today. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm going to try, we've, we had a great hour on stage this morning. And so I'm going to try to find some, uh, different questions and get into some different topics. Uh, so hopefully we're not duplicating any information. Um, and we will be putting, uh, Erica's talk up on our website. So anybody who missed it today, will be able to get a chance to hear our discussion. We did an interview style hour on stage and it was just a real joy. So for those of you who are listening live, um, Erica is an author and a poet, um, You've also been a journalist and yes. all kinds of things. And we have been just really enjoying talking about your writing, um, talking about all different kinds of things. So let's dig in. Um, we started by talking a little bit about your background and um, and I'd love to just get a little bit more into that. Um mm-hmm. we talked about the process of kind of becoming a writer. And I'd love if you if you could focus a bit on um just kind of some of the career things or maybe a few of the career models milestones that you had that led to who you are today? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I think when you choose to be a writer, you choose in a sense, a life of rejection because that's just what happens. right? Uh, no matter how successful you are, uh, it takes a lot to get to that success, right? And um, there were many, many times where I was very discouraged. Um, and so there were moments in my life that were just so significant that kept me going and made me feel like I was doing something right. And so I think one of the first ones early in my career was when um, I got – a Fulbright to go to Spain. Oh, right. Yeah, it was incredible. I was uh, living in Madrid for a year. I was um, a teaching assistant at a junior high. Uh, part-time, and then the rest of the time I was writing. Oh, at junior high. Yeah, yeah. Those kids were kind of terrible. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. They're awful. (laughs) Well,
0: that's kind of the thing about junior high, the extra squirrely at that age. Oh, my God, yes. Um, Did you write the full – because Fulbright is a grant that you write. Yes. And and did you write it to – the, the grant was written to go and spend time writing or was teaching a component of the grant?
1: That was one of the options. And that one made sense to me because um, I didn't have like a full formed project in mind yet. Ah, I see. So I thought it'd be good to to just try that route. Yeah. Um, and it worked out really great. Um, I mean, I had very minimal responsibilities and I was able to take a poetry class in the city Um every thursday and it was one of the best experiences i've ever had
0: oh what was that like i mean it just sounds sounds like the most romantic thing taking a poetry class in madrid (laughs) it was
1: so great it was everything that i had envisioned you know um i met just incredible people we were such a like motley like group you know everyone came from very different backgrounds It was like an older businessman there was like a young punk girl and uh our professor was this like this large man who wore funny hats and he (laughs) smoked cigarettes in in the class and uh we would go out afterwards and drink beer and it was just incredible it was so fun oh those sound like characters in your next oh my god yeah (laughs) Uh, we would just talk about poetry all night and it was just so wonderful.
0: Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. So that
1: sounds like an incredible milestone.
0: What, mm-hmm. what were there? Were there any others? Are there any others that come to
1: mind? Yeah. Um, you know, after uh, grad school, I had some rough patches because I, I didn't know what to do with my life. Really. Right. Um. You know, I had this useless degree <laughs> and I was like, well, what do I do now? And so I had all these jobs that I just really wasn't happy with. And um, at one point, I think I was 29 or 28. Mm -hmm. uh, I got um, a poetry prize, a Discovery Boston Review Prize, and uh, it's for emerging writers. And I feel like that kind of shifted everything for me. Uh. And that also gave me um, a lot of encouragement because it was it was like a significant accomplishment. Uh, I got to go to New York and uh, I I read at the 92nd Street Y. Oh, great. So that was really exciting, and then after that, um, I received a large fellowship from the Poetry Foundation, and that really helped because I was not doing great financially because I had left this awful job that had terrible effects on my mental health, and yeah. so I the money was just it was exactly what I needed. Right, um, and then after that, you know, my books were picked up for publication. I remember the moment that I found out that the novel was, uh, was accepted. Um, we got an offer from Knopf Books for young readers and my agent sent me an email. I was at a conference in Charlotte. Um, and I, I got the email, you know, saying that my book was going to be published and I had waited my entire life for this. It felt, and, um, I just sat there having to pretend to listen. <laughs> for the rest of the hour while i was just like exploding inside oh yeah yeah i i, I shouldn't have checked my email at that time but i did <laughs> and i was just like what do i do I'm, i feel like screaming
0: oh you must have been beaming
1: yeah yeah i was it was so exciting yeah. um so yeah those are a few mm-hmm. definitely. Cool.
0: thank you for mm-hmm. sharing those sure. i was curious um i read a little bit about your time in norway um, exiled writers from around the world and pickled fish for breakfast, <laughs> I think it says in your bio. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about what that experience was like. It it also sounds like a very sort of romantic in a way. It
1: was. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that I'd be in Scandinavia like that? That wasn't something that I really dreamt yeah. of, you know, I mean, I always dreamt of traveling the world, but I just never pictured Norway, right? Right. And I, I, got invited, um, through this organization. I think it was funded through the MacArthur grant. Oh, yeah. Um, and, um, this organization, organization in Chicago called the Guild Complex invited five writers from the city to go to Norway for this festival. And, and we had, um, a lot of interaction with, um, poets that were exiled living in Norway. Uh And they actually, some of them went to Chicago. Uh Um, So there was, it was like a cross-cultural exchange. And so, um, yeah, we went to a city called Stavanger and uh, it was very beautiful. Uh, We we went and saw the fjords and it was just a stunning landscape. Uh, The food, however, was quite terrible, I will (laughs) say. Ah, uh, the pickled fish. Like at first, it was really exciting because I'm I'm an adventurous eater, so I I got there and I was like, ooh, yum, fish for breakfast, right? <laughs> and then by day three, I was like, this is disgusting. Ah. Um, so it it was it was an adventure. Um, and then I, we got to meet like more exiled writers, uh, from like many war torn countries, and like these people had risked their lives to write, you know, yeah. and and that really changed the way that I saw writing. I'm like people are putting their lives on the line to do this. Right. Um so I better like step it up, you know. Wow. And it I was just like in awe of of all these people. It, it was really incredible.
0: Oh that's really inspiring. What yeah. an incredible moment.
1: It was great. It was great. Cool. Well, we're just getting started with our conversation, but I
0: thought I'd play a song. Um, we've been talking about like all kinds of uh, cool authors and music. And I know that Eric has an interest in art and music. And so I picked out, as you guys know, I'm always like picking out things that I like. And I picked out, um, a few songs from some really cool, feisty, strong Latina singers that I love. So the first one is Rosalia and the song is Malamente. Uh, let's have a listen and see what you think.
2: Ese gritarito roto, yo sentí como crujía. Antes de caerse suelo, yo sabía que se rompía. Uf, uh, estaba parpadeando la luz del descansillo. Así yo
0: Well, welcome back, everyone. That song was "Malamente" by Rosalia. Hope you enjoyed it. I am in the studio with Erica Sanchez, and we are talking about her writing. And she's been generous enough to be to offer to read a little bit. Um, and and if you're interested in in how didn't weren't at the event earlier today, uh, her poetry book is called "Lessons on Expulsion," published by Gray Wolf in July of 2017, finalist for the Pan American Book Award, and then her young adult novel, which we've also been talking about and will continue to talk about is I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, also published in 2017. And it was a New York Times bestseller and a National Book Awards finalist. So welcome back, Erica. Thank
1: you. So I would love to, for you to read to us. Okay, wonderful. I'm going to read a very Chicago poem. Okay, great. A woman runs on the first day of spring, Chicago. When I am a stranger to my own ruin, twilight reminds me to give alms to my best sins. March, the city is purging in the humility of worms, salt washing from the grasses. When I breathe in, I say thank you. When I breathe out, I say gone. I say garden, I say guns. Three crows devour the dead rat, look at all that booty, the man mutters and blows me kisses. The sky is worthless and my bulbous ass is always a dinner bell. I run farther, I run with the feather inside my ear, I run from a bird with a broken neck and follow the sound of thawing snow. Aren't we all boundless, though, the way a dream secretes the morning after? The way moths feed on the eyes of fawn, to and not to. Vines that strangle trees never say they're sorry. I reach the lake with this grateful ache in my throat. And if I say my body is its own crumbling country, if I say I am always my own home, then what does that make me? Thank you so much. Thank wow. You. I love
0: hearing you read your work. Thank I think you. it's amazing. Wow. It, I don't know. It's just, it, it comes to life in a way that, of course, because it comes from you. you I know. appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for doing that. I, one of the things that I've been thinking about, um, in my reading, I, I know that you mentioned how you, often began writing for the, the, the little girl version of you yeah. in a way and i'm curious how your relationship with your writing mm-hmm. has evolved how is it is it different now than it was 10 years ago and if so how
1: i i think it is really different um i think I'll, i i was writing from a place of healing and and i will always write from a place of healing but i think that 10 years ago I was still grappling with a lot of things that um, I wasn't quite fully aware of. I, I wasn't um, really um, sure that I, that I could get through, you know. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm, you know, 35 years old and I'm very established in many ways, uh, I'm very happy, I um, have a great life, there's much more joy in my work, I think, I hope. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think that has shifted. I, I no longer feel like I have to parent that young girl. Ah. In, within myself. Yeah. Um uh maybe at times I do, but but not to the extent that I, I had to. You know, I, I've done a lot of work, um, I th- think through therapy, through my spiritual practice, through writing. Um, And I'm just in a very different place where I feel very secure. Um, I I feel that I get to do exactly what I want to do. Mm. And so that is just a tremendous gift to me.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um you mentioned your spiritual life and mm-hmm. your spiritual journey and I know that um several people have already asked me about it. You mentioned sure. your Buddhist practice mm-hmm. and your Buddhism practice and we had a great time talking about that yesterday too. Yeah. I wondered if you could share a little bit uh, you know publicly about that. Of
1: course. Yeah, it's something that has really transformed my life. I um discovered it I guess officially five no, four and a half years ago. Um, I had always been interested in Buddhism ever since I was in high school. Um, but I had never really delved deeply into the philosophy. I, it was something that intrigued me for a long time. And, um, I had tried going to a temple like in my late twenties. Um, but it wasn't right for me. And then, um, like the story of my life, I joke is that a guy creeped me out. And so I stopped going. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Mm. So, um, I, I hadn't really thought about it for a while. And then a friend of mine, actually who I met during that trip to Norway, oh. um, introduced me because I I I met them. They're trans, so that I refer to them as they yeah. um they just had this spirit that I really loved and mm-hmm. I was like, I I want that. And I was like, we're gonna be friends. And so we became friends and they started to invite me to meetings and uh told me about about their spiritual practice and I just I became intrigued but I was going through a really tough depression during that time and even though there was something pulling me toward it I wasn't um, committing to it because I was so depressed that I just could hardly even leave my apartment right so eventually um, as I got better I started going to more meetings and then I officially converted um, I, I read a text that was just really mind-blowing uh, it was called a Buddha in your mirror, and I felt like the philosophy just explained my entire life to me. Yeah, and um, I was able to see things much more clearly. Um, I had clarity I- I- in a number of ways, uh, and I had a lot more wisdom. And I started to make like some changes and different choices, and so I feel like it has been really powerful. Mm. Um, in, in making my life better. And what is it specifically about it, um, or, you know, or mm-hmm. about
0: the practice that is so appealing to you? I
1: think first it is just, it makes complete sense. Um, it focuses on the cause of law and effect uh, or the, the law of cause and effect, excuse me, um, which is something that can't be disputed. Mm. Like you have an action and then there's going to be a reaction. And so to think of your life in that way, I think is very comforting because it just makes sense. And so um knowing that I whatever effort I put into my life, I will, you know, reap a benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that having that sort of control over my my destiny is just really powerful for mm-hmm. me. Uh, especially as a woman. And so Another part that I really loved when I first started to learn about it was there was no clergy. Um, there was there were no hierarchies. And um, that's something that always bothered me about ca- Catholicism that I just, like, could not understand. I'm like, why uh, are these priests telling me that I have to obey my husband? You know, like, <laughs> I didn't – I couldn't grasp that. That yeah. was not okay for me. Yeah. And so um, there was that part also – the idea of everything being interconnected, that makes sense to me as well. Uh, especially as a poet, that, that's how I see the world. Like we're all, you know, a part of this tapestry. Mm-hmm. And so whatever we do affects other people and the environment and, and we change ourselves and then we change our environment. And I think that is something that we should all take ownership of. Um, if some if if our lives are going terribly wrong, like we need to examine like what is happening within us. Uh, and some things we have no control over, like death, we're all gonna die, right? right. People are gonna get sick, et cetera. Uh, and that's another part, like accepting that these are gonna be parts of our lives that we there will be suffering but you could find meaning in suffering and transform suffering. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. If anybody listening wants to kind of get involved or Mm -hmm. sort of explore it on their own, would you suggest starting with just reading that book?
1: Yeah, I think that book is a really great primer. Um, And also I'll mention that I'm part of the Soka Gakkai International Organization and uh, SGI for short. Um, And so if you want to learn more about um, that you know go ahead and google and i'm sure you could find your local chapter
0: great and then that book is called buddha in your mirror right great thank you so much for sharing that it sounds like it's transformed your life and probably also then therefore transformed your writing somehow
1: yeah i feel that i i make connections that i maybe couldn't have made ah, before okay um that i see um, the way things are are braided together and um, the way things affect each other. Oh, I love that. The way
0: things are braided together. That's beautiful. Thank you. The next uh, sort of thing that I wanted to ask you about has to do with ambition. Mm. And um, I I find myself thinking and talking about ambition a lot and, and, it, it seems to me from what I've read that you seem to be always a very ambitious person as a child, as a, as an adult, yeah. always searching. And so I'd love for you to speak to your relationship with ambition yeah. in your life and also how that manifests itself, um, overcoming obstacles. Like, how do you choose, okay, ambition and get through obstacles that sure. come up?
1: Yeah, um, it's something I think about a lot. And, and yes, I've always been ambitious ever since I was little. Um, I had great dreams and most of them have just come true. So yeah. um, I think ambition is something that could really carry you um, when you're living in like difficult circumstances, for instance. Like I, I grew up pretty poor, um, very traditional Mexican household Um you know, I, I wasn't really expected to to be defiant, and I, I was very defiant. Um, I was a very difficult child. Uh, I questioned everything. Um, and so uh, I, I remained that way, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. But, yeah, I had this dream of being a writer and seeing the world, and there was no reason why I should believe that that was possible. There just wasn't, there was no example of that. Um, everyone in my environment, like all the adults worked in factories and, uh, the women married early, had kids really young, et cetera, had very difficult lives. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I right. just won't. Um, and I had the privilege not to because, you know, I'm a citizen. Um, I, uh, speak English well, et cetera. Like I, I had advantages that, you know, the people before me didn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was pretty determined uh, to live uh, the life that I wanted. And for many years, I struggled um, to, to make it happen. But uh, I just always had this idea of what I wanted uh, the world and, and life to be. And I just never stopped. And it, it's created some conflict also because as a woman, you're not supposed to be that way. You know, right. like it's not really encouraged. Um you know uh when i go after something like i'm pretty tenacious yeah. you know i'm just i'm gonna do it no matter what so you know as a result i've gotten many many opportunities many accolades etc um but it makes people very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and um I'm mostly amused by it, you know. Like whatever, I don't really care. But for instance, dating ha- has been very difficult as a result, <laughs> right? Uh, men, as is
0: attested to your social media. <laughs> oh my god, yeah.
1: You you've read some of my horror stories, um, and so it it scares men a lot. Yeah, and uh, I guess it weeds them out, like the ones that can't right. are not equipped for it. Right, which is I guess okay, but it it's also very frustrating. Right. So, yeah, it's been it's been an experience, Mm -hmm. to put it lightly. (laughs) Well, cool. On that note, Mm -hmm. I think it's time for another musical
0: break. Okay, um, Golondrina is the name of this song and the artist is Dom La Nena. Uh, Yeah, check it out. This is the Apex Hour KSUU Thunder 91.1. so Okay. Well, welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening. That was uh, Golondrina by Dom La Nena. And this is Lynn Vartan. You're listening to the Apex Hour. I'm joined in the studio with Erica Sanchez. Welcome back. Hi, thank you. We were just talking about, I didn't know that golondrina means swallow and you have a swallow tattoo mm-hmm. on your arm. And that's one of the names that your parents call you, yeah?
1: Yeah, my grandmother started calling me that because I travel so much and oh, I, I'm yes. never, I never sit still, according to her. Oh. <laughs> so she's always asking, like, where is my golondrina, you know, because oh. she never knows where I am.
0: Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's very beautiful. sweet. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And your tattoo's mm-hmm. gorgeous, Thank too. you. I love Thank it. Thank you. So, yeah, that artist is Dom La Nena. Uh, check it out. It's a beautiful arrangement, I think. Uh, very simple. And then the violin in, that kind of comes in with some interesting techniques and sounds. So, all right. Well, I'd love to talk more about your novel, sure. I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. Um, and one of the things is that I understand you had some very – obsessive times writing it and you kind of um went all in. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um I mean it took a a total of 5 years and you know there were times where I I had to step away from it, but um there were moments where it consumed me completely and um one of those times was when I was recovering from a really terrible depression um when I was maybe yeah I was 30 I was 30 and um it helped me get through it yeah it did it it, at first I couldn't write for months I couldn't write and I I was just so depressed about that um I felt like something a a part of me had been taken away and I was terrified yeah so when I when I began to write again I felt like I was returning to myself and um I just was a rampage you know and like it's all i thought about it's all i talked about um i was working full-time and then writing in the evenings i just i was nonstop, and um i think it was really helpful to heal um in, in many ways and so i i was like in a frenzy and then um and then you know i I gave it some time, I revised it and, you know, I have some spurts here and there. Um, sometimes my writing is like incredibly slow. Sometimes I, I have those moments and so it varies. And when you kind of were in a spurt, would you write like way
0: into the wee hours of the night? Like, and just, I can yeah. sort of imagine it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it, it was frantic. Yeah, You know, um, my husband at the time um, he was concerned, he was like, What is happening? Oh wow. Yeah. He thought like I was going through a manic episode or something. Wow. And maybe I was. I, could be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But but it felt great.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? Well, we talked a little bit about Julia, the main character. Um, but one thing that we didn't get to is um this issue of of identity. Um and I've heard you quote the Walt Whitman I contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of like to get into that, the multitudes of identities that we all have. Um and I know that sometimes people ask you if you or Julia and that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But um I'd love to sort of uh get into the 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 character study or just the reality of characters and ourselves mm-hmm. having multitudes uh
3: existing
1: in all these different spaces. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to us, you yeah. know. Um, we're not just one thing. Um, I'm I'm so many different things all at once and I change all the time, you know, and, and I think um that's what I was trying to reflect in Julia as well, is that she is so much more than what people see. And I think that's the case for everyone. Like there we contain like so many experiences and hurts and joys that like no one will ever know. Right, and um, I think that's really beautiful. And so, I I wanted to create a character who is really complex and uh, at times difficult. And um, people had a hard time with her. Yeah, some some people. I think it was mostly adults because kids love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I myself, you know, I'm mexican american um I am the daughter of immigrants, I am Buddhist, I am feminist, I am this, I am that you know et cetera it goes on and on and on, and so um I think sometimes people want to put us in in these boxes, and then when we don't fit, they get upset right and I feel you
0: know of course that's so obvious with julia, but Every character in the book has that, contains those multitudes as we all do. And mm-hmm. I think you do just an amazing job of of uh, bringing those out at different levels of obviousness. I mean, you know, because even the father, the mother, yeah. even, even the sister and the friends, they all have these varying uh, degrees of transparency to the multitudes inside right. them.
1: Yeah. Thank you for noticing that. Uh, that's really important for me. Um, as a writer to be able to do that, to create characters that feel palpable, mm-hmm. you know, um, not necessarily characters that you would like, but mm-hmm. characters that feel real. And um, I think compassion and empathy are like really critical in being a writer. Like you have to imagine what it's like to be other people. Right. And if you can't do that, then I don't know if you can write, right. you know, because that that's just such a critical part of it.
0: And in the book, we, we talked this morning a little bit about uh, the the mental health aspect of it that comes out uh, and so strongly and has been such an amazing part of this book. I, I witnessed people talk to you afterwards mm-hmm. and just say, it's so important to talk about these issues mm-hmm. now. And um, I'd love to just sort of get into that just a little bit more. Um, what kinds of responses, particularly to that part sure. of the story have you had from young adults
1: oh my god so many it's overwhelming um i didn't expect that people would cry as often that they do ah oh.
3: um
1: that's something that i just couldn't have imagined mm-hmm. and um it's very touching sometimes like emotionally it's it's hard because yeah. i don't know how to like handle it right but um it's very beautiful i'm very grateful that it, the book has done that for them um so just people telling me very beautiful things after readings. It's its, it's incredible. And then, you know, I received notes, uh, messages, emails, etc. And uh, one actually response that I will always remember, it was at a high school, I think it was in Texas. And a young woman after my presentation asked, how many lives do you think your book has saved? Wow. And I was just stunned by the question. I was like, "What in the world?" Like, I don't even know what to say. Wow. I I just, I mean, I thanked her for her question, and wow. I was like, "I have no clue, but thank you. I I see you." Yeah. Um. And I I was just left wondering. Yeah. And uh, recently, a poet that I really love, they put on Twitter that well, my last poem in my collection uh, literally saved their life. Wow, and that blew me away. I didn't know what to say to that either. I was just like, "I'm sending you love," because that means everything to me. Thank you. Um, so, I'm just really fortunate to to be able to do that, and um, uh, the fact that my my work has that kind of like power in people's mm-hmm. lives it, it's it's like something that I could not have fathomed, right?
0: The book deals a lot with the relationship between the parents and the children and um, taking into account also mental health and depression and suicide awareness. Is there in this process and in your growth, is there anything that parents Mm -hmm. can do or should do?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important for parents to be aware of what depression is. First of all, I think a lot of them don't. They just think, oh, my teenager is being difficult and moody, etc. Uh, when in fact it's a clinical problem and it's not a phase at times, it's like an illness. And so to become more aware of, of what depression is, what the signs are, um, not to, to judge, um, their, their kids behavior too harshly, um, because they're going through something very difficult, uh, and to, to be open and listen. I think that's really critical. I I could never have these conversations with my parents when I was growing up. Like mm. I I I just held everything inside because I didn't feel comfortable. And so that, that communication is really critical and and the way that I hope to raise children is is going to be very different. Um but just like being understanding and um not um being afraid to talk about uncomfortable things. Yeah. And it seems like in a way, art saved you uh,
0: mm-hmm. through your writing and, and the power of art. And I noticed that thread in, in the book. I mean, mm-hmm. the father draw, drew or yeah. draws. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious if you think that art is an, an answer, um, or could be an answer, um, because of the, the kind of mirror-like qualities yeah. in art. Art can show you life, can teach you things. Um, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, definitely for me, art, has just shaped me, you know, in, in many ways in, in art, in all forms, you know, music, visual art, literature, et cetera. Um, I think it, it has that power and um, it is one way to see the world. Um, it offers like many different lenses and it, it shows you both the, often the beauty and the horror of being a person and uh, it, it makes you feel less alone. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. That's how I feel when I when I interact with art. Um, that I'm not alone in, in this journey. Mm-hmm. And with everything that you've gone through,
0: how do you deal with? Um, critics I mean that that to me as an artist that's one of the hardest things I mean that we not just the inner critic but the outer critics as well do you have any tactics do you have any armor that you're willing to share
1: yeah that's a great question um I think at this point in my life I'm very comfortable with who I am Uh, I'm very happy with the person that I've become so i'm not as affected by criticism as i once was Uh, i'm just not that fragile Mm -hmm. and uh, there are times where it does hurt my feelings or i feel misunderstood etc but i have come to terms with the fact that i cannot please everyone my story is only one story and it can't be everything to the whole world um not everyone is going to like me not everyone's gonna like my books uh and that's okay because i'm not here to to please everyone here you know i'm i'm i exist to seek the truth whether that makes me unlikable or not oh i love that
0: thank you that's great
1: what a great statement Mm -hmm. well that's a perfect time to
0: play another song and uh speaking of uh, strength in women. Ana Tiju is one of my favorite. Um, I, I've played her before on on the Apex Hour. And this is a song called Shock. Uh, this is KSU Youth under 91.1.
4: La hora sonó, la hora sonó No permitiremos más, más tudo doctrina del shock La hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock la hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock Ya hora sonó, la hora sonina del shock La hora sonó, la hora sonó solo corporaciones ¿Quién tiene más, más, más acciones? Tuzos, gordos, poderosos Decisiones por muy pocos Constitución, pinochetista Derecho, pues de hilando, fascista Golpista, disfrazado de un indulto elitista Cae la gota, cae la bolsa La toma, se toma la máquina Rota la calle, no calle la calle Se raya la calle, no calle De parte que está ella Todo lo quitan, todo lo venden Todo se lucra, la vida, la muerte Todo es negocio, bajo tu torno Semilla, Pascuela me en se A la calle, mapuches, ma- 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 estudiantes y docentes, re- reclamando al gobierno una, una mejor educación. Golpe a golpe, verso a verso, con las ganas y el aliento, con cenizas, con el fuego del presente, con recuerdo, con certeza y con desgarro, con el objetivo claro, con memoria y con la historia, el futuro Ahora, todo este tubo de ensayo, todo este laboratorio que a diario Todo este fallo, todo este económico modelo condenado de dinosaurio Todo se criminaliza, todo se justifica en la noticia Todo se quita, todo se pisa, todo se ficha y clasifica tu política y tu táctica, tu típica risa y ética Tu comunicado manipulado, ¿cuántos fueron los callados? Pago guanacos y lomas, pago guanacos y tunas Pago guanacos, nos lluman, ¿cuántos fueron los que son?
0: Okay, welcome back, everyone. That was Shock on a Tiju, one of my favorites. You're listening to the Apex Hour, KSU Thunder 91.1. Welcome back, Erica Sanchez. Hi, thank you. Could we have our fun last few minutes, and I'd love to ask a couple questions. I know you love Toni Morrison. I do. And I'd love to ask you, for you, mm-hmm. what what is, the, what is it about Toni Morrison for you? Of mm-hmm. course, you know, famed yeah.
1: author, but for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where do we begin with Toni Morrison? She was incredible, yeah. continues to be incredible. Um yeah, I I feel that she was able to write about sex and desire in a way that was just stunning. Yeah. And I I've never seen it done the way she she does it. Like I don't know. The, the way she writes is as if she were a poet, but she wasn't really a poet. Yeah. I mean, she published maybe a handful of poems in her life, but the the way the prose is written is just so concise, so musical. Yeah. It's just transcendent. And there's no one like her. Yeah. And I am so sad that I never got to meet her.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love hearing... I mean, She's amazing, but I love hearing what connects to you mm-hmm. individually about it. Cool. Thank you. Sure. So the next thing is, is I've been looking at your social media and you seem to love lipstick I about do. as much as I love
1: lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any go-to favorites right now? Yes. Yes. Um, well, I have a Fenty lip paint that I really like. Okay. Um, it is really long lasting and I love Rihanna. Yeah. I'm obsessed yeah. with her. Yeah. So, um Yeah, I will support her always. Have you tried her perfume? No, is it good? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) I've tried her underwear also. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. Um, And there's a a company in Brooklyn, New York called High Wildflower, and it's run by a woman of color. Her name is Dani. Um, I forgot her last name, but um, we follow each other on social media. I haven't actually met her in real life, but she's so lovely because I – I posted something about like what lips- lipstick do you recommend for someone who likes to eat hamburgers, and yeah. <laughs> like not get lipstick all over her face. Uh, and she sent me two of her lipsticks, and they were incredible. So I I've been ordering more. Okay, um, they're a little pricey, but they're made with like organic great materials, and um, it's just it's a really nice company. So I- I'm really into. And the name is High Wildflower. Yes. Okay, cool. High Swiss Wildflower. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm
0: totally Googling it. That's yeah,
1: great. love it. Wonderful. That's awesome. Well, I love, I mean, I love
0: me great. Everybody who knows me knows me. I love, I love makeup. I love clothes. I love fashion. We've been Same. really having fun talking yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have two more of our favorite questions that we always ask. And one of them, I just, I just think this question is so interesting. And that is, If you were to meet yourself from 10 years ago in a bar fight, who would win that bar fight? Uh, It's tricky, right? It's so
1: tricky. I'm really scrappy. (laughs) Uh, I'm little and uh, I don't look like I I could do any damage, but I can. Um, And I'm not afraid to fight. Yeah. I'm a Buddhist that will fight. If if need be, you know. But 10 years ago, you weren't Buddhist. I wasn't. That's true. <laughs> um, oh, that's so hard. Because like, was I stronger then than I am now? Like, am I in better shape now than I was 10 years ago?
0: Possibly. And the mental, like, I mean, like, are you more, I mean, I know for me, I'm a little more careful now than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. So I
1: don't know. I mean, oh, I, I did. <laughs> this is probably revealing too much, but. <laughs> I, I did have uh, an altercation a few months ago with oh, uh, really? a, a misogynist <laughs> oh. in the street. Oh, no. Um, in London. And oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. This story gets better and better. It, yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, and I warned him, I was like, if you don't stop talking, I'm going to punch you in the face. And he didn't stop talking. <laughs> and he was just really disrespectful. And I just lost it. And oh. so, like, uh, I would like to say that I'm more careful now but I don't know if I am. Don't know. <laughs> so
0: maybe a tie. Tie. Okay. <laughs> tie. <laughs> All right. And last question that we love to ask is what's turning you on this week? Now this could be any it could be a TV show, it could be a book, it could be a comic, it could be your lipstick. It could be anything. Sure. It's just a little bit of a like personal snippet that I yeah. always ask. So Erica Sanchez, what is turning
1: you on this week? Well, honestly, I I really love trashy TV sometimes. Me and too. It's so great. It's such an indulgence. And when I travel, I particularly love it because uh, I'm an introvert. And so it, it helps just to relax and just, you know, not think of anything. And totally. So, um, once I get to my hotel room tonight, I will be watching something awful. I love um, it. Uh, what did I watch yesterday? I think I was telling you about Married at First Sight. <laughs> what a train wreck so good and then you know the housewives of wherever the hell you know yes um also fun it's just like the pettiness it's fascinating to me i love it girl after my own heart well (laughs) that's all the time that we have today thank Mm -hmm. you so
0: much erica for coming in and being on the radio with me thank you so much well you've been listening to the apex hour on ksu thunder 91.1 we'll see you next week Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.